0: Hey gang, back again. We're in the 100s. It's the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Uh, I am Charlie Carden, your Trek Lord of West Michigan, now Commodore in Starfleet International, but you're, you're a commanding officer of the USS Grand Petoskey, uh, here in West Michigan. Um, joined by my new recurring guest host and, uh, featured, uh, Talented individual, Jen Watson from Chicago. Jen, how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Glad to be awesome. here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you. Uh, Jen, I appreciate your uniform. It's a weekday for me. I'm exhausted from the road. I was like, <laughs> the badge is all I can muster, so I'm, uh, I'm I'm on a Section 31 Undercover time travel mission. Uh, <laughs> we're going we're, we're gonna to go with that. Um, but uh, yeah, as always, uh, to kick things off, we'd love to thank our awesome Patreons who bring everything to the table for us and help us make all this great fun content that we do. So I am, of course, talking about the awesome uh, Nia's family, Sean, Stella, and Henry, uh, your friend and mine, Missy Merchant, an awesome contributor to the show, including our blowout 100th episode last time where we uh, did our did our Trek Bracketology, she was a part of that, um, and her friend Annie Milliken, and of course, uh, on the Best Buds level, Jamie Prinky. If you'd like to learn more about our Patreon or just would like to learn more about us in general, patreon.com slash secret friends unite you can learn about the different uh levels of uh inclusion uh and participation and learn about all of our great um Extra content In fact, I did read something recently That that, uh, Patreon is going to start offering people A week free trial to try out A Patreon to see if it's something that you want to do So more news on that uh, as we evolve So, um, but anyway On to the show We're in a weird little segment that we haven't been in a while Because we don't have a new show to talk about Um, We got lucky last week Because we had our, or last episode Because we had our 100th episode And we had something big planned Uh, But this week we're floating Uh, It is late May right now Uh, we're getting strange new worlds on June 15th here in the U S. Um, so in the meantime, we plan something a little different. Um, and then of course also bringing you, um, a little bit more of Voyager season three, but, um, we're lucky because we do have a couple of news stories, which we don't always have going on. So, um, at first, uh, we do have, and this is, this has been news for a couple of weeks now. Oh, Mr. Bigglesworth has jumped up. (laughs) i usually keep my cats out but it's funny i was recording um one of our patreon segments earlier this week with my partner candy mcfarland and her cat was circling her and then i had walked down the stairs and not closed the hatch behind me and so i got a dog and a cat and they just kind of orbit and they meow because they want to jump up but then they don't actually want to jump up it's a real pain but anyway oh my gosh
1: learned a up is bad down is good.
0: Oh my, he doesn't have your basic s- spot yeah. lessons. No. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to the news. Uh we know that um out in in Hollywood and certainly in New York are kind of the flashpoints of the uh the writers guild strike right now. We've talked about this a lot over on Secret Friends Prime uh podcast. These folks are are fighting for their livelihood right now in the ever-changing landscape uh that streaming has. Uh, created, you know, and Star Trek is a great example. Star Trek came back to us because of streaming in 2017 with Star Trek Discovery, and that's just continued to evolve over the last several years. Uh, but these folks are out there fighting for their livelihood and Star Trek uh, actors and Star Trek writers are at the forefront of it. So... Um, Jen, I would ask you where you stand with the w- WGA strike, but I know as an artist and as a creator, yeah. you're probably 1000% behind these folks.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it is a shame that creative individuals are not given the respect or the pay that they deserve. Uh, I am 100% with, uh, with this group of people. I've seen their list of demands. They've They've published it. And I think it's It's, it's worth it. And I think that this is going to hopefully start a cascade effect throughout all of the creative fields, um, not just in Hollywood, but throughout, um, everywhere. I mean, fingers crossed, hopefully, um, I'm a designer, uh, I'm an illustrator, I'm an artist, I've got an Etsy shop. I, I I make my money with creative work. So I'm glad to see it. Glad to see that so many of our Trek family are out there supporting the writers, um, and, you know, the w, uh, the actors guilds are getting involved and I don't care if that means that we have to wait a little bit longer for all of our shows to come back because I want them produced under fair conditions um, with the respect for the writers.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, the likes of uh, Tawny Newsome, who I had the pleasure of spending uh, actually being on stage with during the cruise uh, in New York, uh, Anthony Rapp, uh, Celia R- Rose Gooding, and Jess Bush from Stranger Worlds. Anthony Rapp, of course, from Discovery, uh, were seen out in New York City. Um, there's a great photo that was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago of a huge group of folks, which I also included uh, Anthony Montgomery from Enterprise, uh, Chase Masterson from Deep Space Nine, and just a, a great. And then, of course, my uh, the guy who married April and I, uh, Mr, mm-hmm. uh, Mr Todd, Captain, um, Mr. Todd Stashwick, uh, is also featured prominently in these photos, and of course, Jerry Ryan as well, out there in L.A. So, um, this writer's strike has been going on for, God, nearly 30 days, I think, now. So, mm-hmm. um, the last one of these big strikes, and again, we've talked about this more extensively, uh, on SFU Prime, was back in 2007, that noticeably chopped up series like Heroes, uh, Lost, if I'm not <laughs> mistaken, um, and the, the writer's strike before that was in 1988 and it impacted season two of TNG and gave us Star Trek's only clip show uh Shades of Grey
1: which, Good old Shades of Grey.
0: which limped <laughs> us through the end of uh of a 22 episode season which would have typically been 26 so um all of our uh, love and appreciation to these writers. Let's hope that they uh, are able to get something resolved pretty quickly. So, Alright, moving on to some, some more uplifting news. Just today, you know, uh, and we're, we're recording this on, on Wednesday the 24th uh, before your long uh, Memorial Day weekend, we got a second trailer for Strange New World Season 2. We're super excited to bring you this information, uh, bring you coverage uh, of the show when it drops next month, so uh, you, you got that to look forward to. But in between these three weeks, we have this amazing trailer uh, that that was uh, filled with a flurry of, uh, different quick cuts. We get to see uh, the previously hinted uh, adventure that's going to be between uh, La'an and Lieutenant Kirk. That would be Paul Wellesley, who we saw last season. Uh, you're seeing some very hot and heavy cosplay between Spock and Nurse Chapel. Um, <laughs> you're seeing a pretty exciting storyline uh, storylines uh, story with Ortegas and with Dr. Mabanga. But the, the thing that stole the show, and it came in the last you know 30 <laughs> seconds of the trailer, was the much hinted about... And and finally, seen first live-action appearance of Ensign Beckett Mariner, played by Tawny Newsom, and Ensign Bradward Boimler, played by Jack Quaid, from uh, both imported um, from Star Trek Lower Decks. Which anybody who listens to the show knows how much we love Lower Decks. Um, I've I've had a chance to meet both of these folks. As I, I've been on stage with both of them, I was on stage at Mission Chicago with both of them, and got to meet jack quaid i was just i was so starstruck standing next to uh, jerry o'connell and having my picture on instagram you know it was just wearing the same uniform you know I, there's already been a buzz in a lot of the facebook groups i follow that oh the uniform is different is Kazer mart who's the vendor we all work with gonna be making the new uniform and i'm like well you know it's a little different but it's cartoon versus reality yeah, so you
1: have to take some liberties when you uh translate one of the regular uniforms into animation. So I would imagine it's the same way around that, too. You know, the the shoulders are a little bit lower than I would expect, but it looks better on the live action person, I think, to have it that right.
0: way. Right, right. Yeah, you couldn't you could exactly. Yeah, it's the same way in, um, in Lower Decks. They have uh, uh, the occasional crossover where you see the first contact nemesis, gray-shouldered uh, uniform. It doesn't look exactly the same. But again, it's it's animation. They take liberty. So, yeah, kind of tilting it in the other direction. A great comparison would be um, live-action characters in Star Wars, the Clone Wars. We have Ahsoka, uh, who was uh, voiced by Ashley Eckstein, who is now portrayed in live-action, albeit, though, over a space of time, um, by Rosario Doss the characters don't look the same and even in, in a flashback um you know uh the characters like Anakin Skywalker don't look the same from one to the other so yeah you just got to use your imagination a little bit but anyway this looks amazing yeah the parting shot of of Spock offering the Vulcan salute to <laughs> Boimler and then watching him stumble through what to say the, back
1: the thing too yeah but it's <laughs> it's so it's so Boimler it's so and like that's kind of what we'd be doing too, I think. I mean, I know mm. I would if I was in that situation. I wouldn't know what to say.
0: Oh, God, uh, no. You know,
1: that's one of the things I love about their Lower Decks characters is that they're just kind of us. Like, yeah, they're people. They, they so know people. the references that we do. They love right. the stuff that we do. It's it's fantastic. I cannot I wait to see this.
0: Me Um, neither. That'll be great. Now, it's my understanding that is one of the later episodes of the season, maybe six or seven. So so we won't be seeing that until late summer. But um, how exciting. I mean, this is a show. This show burst on the scene uh, just about a year ago. And this was what I think most of the the diehards, the holdouts, the people who – Couldn't wrap their mind around Discovery because of its departure. Couldn't wrap their mind around Picard because it was too dark. I mean, people people are absolutely allowed their opinions, but I have not met anybody who I, I hasten to use the word credibly has had anything nasty to say about strange new worlds. It's, it's, it is universally loved. It's like TNG, which do keep in mind, TNG was not warmly received no, when it, it first came along because you had all, you had a lot of the same diehards who still are, Oh, that's not my star Trek. Cause brr, 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 brr. you know, it, it, it baffles the imagination that in, in a franchise that encourages diversity and looking at things in different ways, and you know, hmm. you know, there are a million stars in the sky that they have. Some people who say, "Well, my track is the right track," but again, TNG blossomed. But we all know that it took three years. We all know it, that it yeah, did. And yeah. Strange
1: New Worlds has been excellent right out of the gate. So out the gate, so I- good. You know, you can say that Discovery Season 2 was kind of a soft first season for it, but like true, true. that's that's the stuff that gave us the desire to see these characters and, and what their show would be. And I, for one, have just fallen in love with it from the beginning. I am so excited for it. Um, I hesitate to use the word favorite because I also really love lower decks and prodigy right. and you know, um, but I, I do think that Stranger Worlds is probably my favorite of the newer shows.
0: So totally. That's – I am, I am totally on board with that. And again, you're right, I, I hesitate to use favorites, um, because there, the, the beauty of, of what we've got out of Star Trek now is that everything is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have a different flavor um, for kind of every taste, um, yeah. which Star Trek didn't really have that to offer during that first golden age, you know, because you had, you DS9. yes, DS9 and Voyager had a lot of differences, but it was all in the same continuity, and it was all filmed in a lot of the same ways. So there was a lot of, there's a lot of sameness to it. Now, I love it. I mean, I absolutely oh, love it. Yeah. I, I was I was raised <laughs> on that, and that and that's you know uh, absolutely what um, what so many of us come to ignore, but yeah, it, or come to adore about it. But um, regardless, uh, I think this is going to be absolutely terrific. I cannot wait. For June fifteenth, and again, uh, we will be giving you, um, you know, the the, the most up to date coverage that we can. So, anyway, okay. Mm-hmm. So, moving on, we're doing something a little different because we've got these two episodes where we don't have uh, something new to tackle. The last time we did this, we took on a couple of the movies, but I had this idea, you know, in now approaching sixty years of the franchise, we have had. Well over 850 episodes of Star Trek continuity, getting close to 900. It was funny. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm an enormous fan of the Amazing Spider Man. The title, um, and I have in the last 10 years digitally read and reread all of the issues. And there's over over 900. As a matter of fact, I'm reading the most recent ones right now. But I stopped to think, hey, there's some amazing storylines, and there's some that are just. God awful, and I would never go back and read them a second time. Um, and the same is true of Star Trek, without mm-hmm. a doubt. So, um, what Jen and I took on, uh, she picked one, and I picked the other. And uh, next episode, we're going to switch. I picked an episode that I thought was. Gr- uh, she picked an episode that she thought was great, and I picked an episode that I thought. Was terrible, and as it turns out, they were both in season five of Star Trek: The Next Generation. We didn't <laughs> plan know, it that, that way, you know. And, and I'm not saying that next week it'll it'll be the same because next or next episode it could be something totally different. But mm-hmm. but I'll go ahead and present my great episode, and or excuse me, Jen will go ahead and present her great episode, yes. and then I will go ahead and present my less than great episode, um, and we'll see what happens. This is an experiment, uh, and depending on. How it goes, we'll, we'll segue right into part three of Voyager season uh, three. So, Jen, without further ado, please take it away.
1: All right. So I know that in our last episode, we had the whole bracket thing, and we discussed a lot of episodes. I wanted to bring something that was not on that bracket, but that I thought probably belonged on there. And one of the episodes that I um, – one of the episodes I really love, um, and it's Darmok from – season five of Next Generation. Um, The summary is that Picard is captured and trapped on planet with an alien captain who speaks a metaphorical language incompatible with the universal translator. They must learn to communicate with each other before a deadly planetary beast overwhelms them. Yes, that's the second episode of season five. Um, I have had people ask me if I could show a friend one episode of Star Trek out of any Series And this is a really difficult question, but this is the episode that I came to. Um, This is the quintessential uh, Next Generation in particular, but all of Star Trek, I think, um, really deals with seeing the other and being empathetic with the other and finding your common ground and learning that there are things that you have in common and differences that you can also celebrate. Um, so I, this is one of my favorite episodes. It deals with stories. I love stories. Stories are just my favorite thing. Um, so what, uh, what do you think?
0: Well, it's funny cause this was, um, I, I had a lot of departures from next generation when I was a kid, as far as how I watched it. And I've mentioned this on the show before. Um, I was 11, uh, and in sixth grade when TNG came on in the fall of 87, I watched it pretty seriously for the first couple of years and then fell off for some reason. Um, I dabbled in seasons three and four and I came on right really, cl- it's funny, the, the bad episode that we're going to talk about was is from the end of season five, and that's when I was back as uh, a, a fully-fledged viewer, and I can't believe that one didn't scare me off. I'm like, oh, well, maybe it wasn't such a good idea to come <laughs> back. So this was not one um, that I saw right right up uh, right up to bat right at the time. So this was from the uh, fall of 91. Uh, your guest star was um, the fantastic uh, Paul, I was going to call him Paul Terrell, who, who is Paul, what is the guest star's name? He he played Captain Terrell in in, uh, in Star Trek too. Why am I drawing a blank on his? Hold on. I'm thinking of Paul Winfield as Dathan, who is the the yes. captain the the captain of um, the children of Tama, which is this this race. Just just to kind of paint you a picture, if you've not seen the episode, which I'm sure you have. Um, this starts out in a great captain's log, and you see the ship coming towards you, and he's describing the mission they've been dispatched uh, to, and then we immediately, you know, they're they're meeting a race that's made a diplomatic overture um, to have somebody from the Federation come out. Um, so it starts with a, a conference room scene where everybody's kind of talking about, well, this is this, this children of Tama. They're this race that the universal translator is no help. Uh, the last contact was a hundred years ago, and the captain at that time called them incomprehensible. So we really don't know what's going to go down. And no. this is all, this is all in the cold open. We they don't. get the, yeah, but, they get, um, yeah, go ahead, one please. One of the
1: things that Picard says at this point uh, is that communication is a matter of patience and imagination. Right. And I think that that really captures what he, what his role is in this and why, not just because he's the captain, but because he's, you know, the, the character that's going to have that patience with them um, to seek to understand. Uh, it's one of the things I like about his captain style is that that's, that's what he does. He is the diplomat. Um we see that Worf uh, suspects a contest
0: Right, he always does. Yeah, you know. he uh, and and right, and right from the beginning in that um, mm-hmm. in that uh, that briefing room scene, and this is very typical of, of any situation, and, and it just really speaks to the the dichotomy of all the characters. He immediately jumps to they could be threatening our borders. Mm-hmm. The same way, you know, that he's like, well, the Romulans are coming, and I'm sure they're going to try to do this, or you know, this thing or that. They have no honor. We're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to mm-hmm. fight. He immediately assumes um, assumes the worst because that's That is his, you know, imperative as a Klingon and certainly his security officer is really doing his job. It's his Um, background.
1: We all bring our background to what we interpret uh, of the story of what we interpret other people's actions to be. So when you have a background that's fraught with contest and conflict and rivalry, Mm -hmm. that's what you're going to jump to.
0: Right. So, yeah. So, you know, again, before the cold open is over, uh, Picard is essentially kidnapped from this strange backwards talking species. Uh, he and this other captain, uh, Dathan end up on the planet together. Dathan is standing with, uh, two daggers held astray, uh, telling the captain, uh, whatever it is he's trying to tell the captain, but Picard stays patient. He doesn't, he doesn't rise to anger. He simply says, you know, I'm not here to fight you. I'm not here to start a war. Um, but what we then quickly find out is that, uh, they're on this weird planet. Uh, the, uh, the alien race is preventing the Enterprise from rescuing uh, Picard, and even a, a, a shuttlecrafts uh, piloted by Worf to get him is disabled <laughs> and returned. Um, but there's this there's this alien creature on this planet. Um, so the whole thing is is a plot um, by the uh, by you know by the children of Tama to make a bold gesture to build a bridge between these two societies Dharmak because and yeah at
1: Tanagra. At Tanagra,
0: exactly so they are it's all entirely based around um building uh building bridges and the only way they know how through metaphor um and it's incredible and it uh again i i would imagine you uh, probably agree with me that what makes this episode so great is that it embodies as you've said everything that makes trek Uh, Amazing. Celebrating diversity, finding Mm -hmm. different ways to look at things, um, and just overall remembering that what I think is right or how I would go about doing things may mean nothing to someone else. Someone else may not even be able to speak a language that through technology or translation that I would ever be able to understand.
1: Right. Um, So the translator can translate the individual words, but the phrases that are put together, you don't understand what they mean because you don't have the context Um, Troy points out later in the episode after they've done some of the research into this uh, that if you say Juliet on her balcony, if you don't know who Juliet is or what she's doing up there, you don't know that that means something romantic. Exactly. So you have the Temerians just repeating Darmok and Jalada Tanagra.
0: Yeah. And it's like, like, why don't you get it? I don't,
1: (laughs) I don't know. It's like, well, why are you fighting us? It's, it's, Darmok and Jalad. Yeah. Did you hear what I said? They're saying, we're trying to have a peaceful solution here. And the uh, Enterprise Riker, Dwarf, they're just not getting it. They're just Yeah,
0: exactly. So- a couple of little quirks just to throw in there this was the first episode that debuted the uh, captain's bomber jacket which you saw me wearing in our last episode Jen I have not yet watched our video uh, of our 100th (laughs) episode that I actually put together but he made I saw a screen cap of it which I shared with you and everybody Mm -hmm. else but when he put it together it's in kind of a nine he said it's like the Brady Bunch I just I can't I have to sit down and watch it (laughs) but our 100th episode was you know almost three hours long so you understand why I haven't tossed it on just yet but I really ought to but no, that was a jacket I was wearing last time. It was this kind of fun, like quilted, like almost kind of suede leather kind of thing. I'm not going to lie to you; it's not only super uncomfortable, but um, I'm starting to replace some of my uniforms because with my promotion, flag officers have totally different uniforms, and I, <laughs> I like to I like to to cosplay my rank if I can in SFI. So uh, I'll probably be looking to get get rid of that one. That could be one that could interest uh, Scott. Maybe I would, maybe he, maybe maybe he should, maybe he should try it on. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, this was the first time that appeared. And then there was a blooper that was fixed. You probably didn't. You probably have never seen it because it was, uh, depending on when you saw this episode for the first time, it was corrected. I think when they released it in Blu-ray. Um, but there was a really erroneous shot of the deflector dish firing the phaser beam. Oh no, no, the the uh, photon torpedo launcher firing phaser beams instead of the phasers.
1: Okay, yeah, I saw this.
0: Then ring a But
1: in reruns, so yeah. I'm sure I've seen it.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, little little little, uh, little, little quirks that um, yeah. that uh, we we very serious <laughs> nerds notice. But yeah, this was great. It was it was groundbreaking in a way that um, that Star Trek always really does. You know, at the end of it, uh, uh, both Dathan and Picard fight the creature. Uh, Dathan does not survive, but in gaining understanding, uh, it gives Picard uh, the chance to communicate with dathan's crew well um, and, and the so, reason yeah. that he
1: doesn't survive either is because the, the the crew back on the enterprise beams picard away or tries to so picard can't do anything to to help uh, save dathan at that point and jump in on that fight so the fact that they're not understanding they're not even really trying they're just making these assumptions that there's an ill intent because oh you you kidnapped our captain because they don't know the story.
0: Right. Right. Well, yeah.
1: They're like, we have to get him back. And that lack of understanding is what eventually is, is going to lead to that sacrifice. And it is a sacrifice because Dathan kind of knows what he's getting into. He, um, there are stakes for this. Yeah. Um, he is putting himself into this danger knowingly, knowing that maybe Picard won't understand And I think that's something that you have to do if you want to make yourself heard and understood. You have to put yourself out there and risk um, other people not understanding, uh, other people maybe attacking, uh, because people will attack what they don't understand. Um, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it in friends. I've seen it just out in the world that when something comes across your, um, your life that you don't Understand? Are you going to lash out? Are you right. going to make out of assumptions? Fear. Right? Are Are you going to try to be patient and and sort of decode and deconstruct? Someone's coming at you with Dharmak and Jalat and tanagra, and you
0: you're don't like, know "Whoa, what that dude!" Means. Yeah. And,
1: you know, um, I just it it just shows that patience and empathy are key to being able to communicate with one another, finding a common ground. And for me personally, um, I find a common ground in the stories that I love. Um, I mean, we're doing it right now, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, and as a cosplayer, that's, I mean, most of my friends, my boyfriend, I, I people that I meet, I meet through cosplay and I know a little bit about someone because of the character that they've chosen to cosplay, the story that they identify with. So when someone comes and tells me a story that they love, and I know more about them because of that, it's similar to what's going on in this episode, too. Um, And of course, context is everything, too. You don't have the Mm -hmm. context. You, You can know the story. You don't necessarily know the context, but it gives you a a jumping off point to learn more about someone else and share your story with them, too, just like Picard did telling the epic of Gilgamesh.
0: Right. uh, Oh, that's a great story. Yeah, it was great. Little known fact: the character of Gilgamesh in Marvel Comics, portrayed as one of the Eternals, was briefly a <laughs> member of the Avengers uh, in the early '90s. And in one of their, uh, there was an Avengers arc where the Avengers had completely fallen apart. uh Captain America wasn't even Captain America at that point, but he put the team back together uh, with actually uh, Mister Fantastic and the Invisible Woman and Gilgamesh. Those were the members of the Ephemeral. Th- those were the members of the team. It was a really <laughs> weird team that only lasted for like four or five issues. But I loved it. But that when I think of Gilgamesh, it was funny because it was right around the same time this episode was on, and I was a very avid Avengers and Spider-Man reader at the time. So Mm -hmm. anyway, yeah, it's more comic references than I usually sneak into the show. But I also (laughs) put a lot of Star Trek references into our Star Wars show, Holocron (laughs) Chronicles. So I I do like to spread it around. So all right, cool. All right, so that is the – and that was a great one. This was fun. I love this. So let's move into talking about something that – I know I didn't enjoy, but if you found something great in this, I think that's great. Uh, we shall see. Uh, episode tw- the, the bad, as it were, and I remember hating this from when I saw it in the fall, probably in the fall of night, spring, fall of 92. I think the, fall, the spring of 92, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, season 5, episode 22 of Star Trek The Next Generation is Imaginary Friend. Uh, as the Enterprise explores a nebula, a little girl's imaginary friend becomes terrifyingly real. Ooh, <laughs> oh my gosh! So, um, the
1: red glowing eyes and everything.
0: With the red glowing eyes and everything, so uh, you know, for me, kind of textbook example of hey, we've got to produce twenty six segments in nine months. Some of them aren't going to be great. And, uh, yeah, May 4th of 92. So I was correct. This was, this was from the, the springtime of our lives. This was when I was in my sophomore year in high school, I think. Um, yeah. So we get, we get a young girl, Clara Sutter, uh, who lives with her father, ensign sutter i always found it really weird that this dude was an ensign um when i i feel like it would have been more plausible if he would have been like a like a chief like chief o'brien like his age would have made more sense yeah you know but then again it's all you know picking nits he could have been a civilian who later then went into starfleet where's the girl's mother they never addressed that nope. she, she's dead or whatever who knows you know maybe she's a test tube baby they, they don't address that either um but i mean the episode starts with this young girl uh talking to Counselor Troy, um, all about her imaginary friend and the little girl is probably 10 10 would
1: you 11 think? something yeah.
0: Like that. yeah probably too old to have an imaginary friend but we probably don't need to pull on that thread i mean you know i was 10 and 11 still playing with action figures and you see what's behind me i don't play with them they just sit there uh, if you're mm-hmm, watching our mm-hmm, youtube mm-hmm, channel mm-hmm, sure. hey everybody everybody's got their own quirks <laughs> but um yeah we've got the enterprise heading into a nebula this ensign sutter uh is is part of the engineering team so you see him hanging around uh doing engineering stuff with Jordy and data uh but the the little girl after she leaves her counseling appointment uh with counselor troy is in the arboretum because she helps keiko out and she's planting seeds and she's talking to isabella who's her imaginary friend and then the little girl appears as a real corporeal being um and you know things are just aboundingly bad um so i want to
1: know at that point where is keiko she's Uh, not she's not there
0: she would be Miss uh the the yeah. equivalent of sir not appearing in yeah, this film exactly yeah. I don't know I mean you're right because that's her exactly. entire that's her entire job right but then the little girl says well I've got to help Keiko in the arboretum right was was she on a long bathroom break I mean what's going I mean, on
1: there were people in the background of the oh, okay group, so like it doesn't even matter like where's Keiko specifically but like who's paying attention to this child. Isn't there childcare on the Enterprise? Don't they I, have school? Like It's
0: it, it's like when I'm in a con and you have a, a, I get, this happens to me all the time. I get stuck with a friend's kid because the friend is, I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm watching this kid. I get real tired of that shtick, <laughs> but I digress. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, and later on, you know, the, the, Isabella, who's the imaginary friend, right. is taking Clara around to spots on the ship where she's not supposed to go, but she's like, come on, it'll be fine. And then they run into Worf and Worf's like, well, you know, you're not supposed to be here, this but this area you... is
1: not designated for children.
0: Exactly. But if you go back now, I won't say anything. And then it's, all right. Isabel's like, come on, Isabella, let's go. And Isabella's like, given wharf the, the the stinkiest of the stink eyes like i could you know i could it reminds me of that season two episode with the mm-hmm. transforming huge the, the old lady who transforms with the huge creature and she's like <laughs> i could have torn you in half and he's like uh-huh well you didn't and now you're locked up sucks to be you yeah um Yeah, just uh, this was a miss for me on a lot of levels because you had to figure that an episode like this was going to go down eventually. I mean, you have the Enterprise with a thousand people on it, probably roughly half, if not more of them are civilians Mm -hmm. and children. So there was going to be a a kid centric episode in this. But. Uh, it you know despite the you know kind of manufacture, like oh we're trapped in this nebula and everything we do constricts the ship and and, and the ship could be destroyed it just felt like there were no stakes right exactly you, I mean, you know you, you know like, without a fact there were
1: saying exactly yeah. is no stakes nothing to engage the audience and here's the right. thing. I I know you don't like this episode. I think it's not the best episode either. I think it's fine. It's it's kind of a whiff. It's a nothing burger of an episode, right?
0: It's a whiff.
1: I, it's it's it is. It's it's a swing and a miss. Um, but and I see what it's trying to do, and that's right. probably the thing that gets me about some of these episodes that people say are really bad. Is that usually I can see what they're trying to do, and in this one, it's sort of a in that Picard speech at the end there, where he's talking about like, oh you're seeing everything from the perspective of a child. Of course, you're going to think that we're restrictive and terrible and don't like your friend. Um, right. And you're here to defend your friend, but you're this like powerful energy being. So you're going to trap our ship and, you know, you don't like what we do. Um, and Picard explains like, well, this is, we, we treat our kids like this so to protect them and care for them. And it's kind of like the episode was sort of trying to say something about like the perspective of a child, and there's so yeah. many better ways that it could have been done now.
0: True, it, it was very, very after school special, sitcomy, yeah, yeah. and. But for the fact, if you jump all the way back to the first episode and that that exchange between Picard and Riker when they first meet and he says, you know, uh, I'm not comfortable with children, but Starfleet has stuck me on a ship with children. And I have to basically fake my way through it. And it's your job to make sure I do it. Now, granted, this is now five years later and everybody grows as a character. And so, you know, has Picard really grown to love kids? Yeah, probably not. But he still gives one one of those. Yeah.
1: What the purpose is. Yeah. Yeah, why the rules are in place for the right, children. And, right. You know, um, I mean, I was a kid when this came out. I was yeah. probably not that much older than uh, Clara, Clara, and, and yeah. Isabella. So, you know, being a kid watching this episode, I'm seeing like, I'm identifying with it as a kid. And yeah. because I was so young when the show was on, I'm still sometimes kind of seeing it from that kid's perspective. Yeah. So I understand you were in, you said high school?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, high school. So like yeah. a
1: high school guy is going to look at this episode and go.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, big time, big but,
1: time. But, that's but, that, that's but contrast valid. this that's valid. with later in Voyager when you have like Naomi Wildman episodes, right? Right. And there are ways to tell stories about children from children's perspectives with maybe better child actors that right you know um, I
0: that was that's really something I noticed about the actress playing Isabella. She stumbled over the line she was trying to do yeah. techno Babble, and you swear to God there's had to be somebody off camera with flashcards she's like, yeah. your temporal this thing or that thing is not afflictable to our blood and I'm like, oh this is this, 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 this hurts." this hurts the um the interchange um and of course you got um brian bonsall back as alexander the young version Mm -hmm. of Worf's son um for a scene with clara and that was that was painful watching the kids interact like oh it's really mean that because he was doing the the clay sculpture and isabella was mad because she you know clara was doing something without her and clearly didn't understand um Yeah, you're right. I would think, you know, from the perspective of a child watching this, which, like a child, child, not maybe somebody like my age, because again, you do have to think about the writers trying to do something to really speak to different audiences in different episodes. So you're right. This one didn't didn't land for me because I was out of the realm of. um,
1: You weren't the target of the
0: viewership. Yeah, exactly. It's like a a lot
1: of people who are getting down on Prodigy these days because it's it's just a bunch of kids. And it's like-
0: it's it's on Nickelodeon it's what, what do children. you want? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, literally it's literally the
1: target audience.
0: Yeah, it's like you know people who get so get so honking mad about Star Wars when it's always kind of been for kids. But Star
1: Wars uh, has always been for children,
0: right? But I now, yes, I completely
1: agree. Yeah.
0: Look how obsessed people are with saying, "Oh, this is just puerile and My co-host Todd Oxtra is one of those people, but we don't need to get into that. No, uh, just from 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 the notes on Memory Alpha, Rick Berman was an early supporter of the premise. Uh, where in science fiction could you? do an idea about imaginary friend who turns out not to be imaginary uh yada 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 but again yeah th- it sounds like this was a a freelancer script that was polished up by the, the that writing explains staff a
1: lot actually yeah there were a lot of people that were out of character um yeah like, you know picard being you know not awkward around the child right
0: um, big data time.
1: in this one was very weird for me like, yeah uh it is clearly a bunny rabbit. Like it's right. funny. And it's the kind of joke that as a kid, I'm like, Oh, haha, did data said a funny thing? But like, yeah, right. It didn't, it didn't like data now. Sure. He, he talk about the bunny rabbit, but like right. data then. Yeah. Like, mm, you know, if he's got the emotions chip, sure. Make a joke. Um, yeah. I thought Guinan was great though. But was right. always great,
0: right? Yeah, you can't really think of a lousy Gwyneth. I mean, even yeah. in the season six and the Rascals episode when they were all young, she still found a way well, to pull it perfect. off. Perfect, playing, exactly. t- playing, you know, playing the role through two different actors. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but um. Yeah, this was this one was a miss for me. But anyway, uh, good segment. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna come back next episode, and we're gonna flip flop. Jen is gonna grab a worst. I'm gonna grab a best. So we're gonna spend uh, the time in between doing some research, and we will come back to you. With that, so and
1: that's going to be tricky for me because I, I, know. <laughs>
0: but I know. I
1: know. I got a couple ideas.
0: That's I good. I like it. All right. Well, let's move on uh, to Act Three or Segment Two. Yeah, we go Segment Half, Segment One, Segment Two. Uh, so now we're in Segment Two. We're taking on Season uh, Three. Uh, part three of Star Trek Voyager. So we got six or seven, I think seven episodes uh, that we're tackling. Uh, where We're picking up from where we left off. So uh, I'm going to read the first one. We'll go onesie twosie and then you can, we, you can take it from there. So Sounds great. Uh, episode 14 of the season is Alter Ego uh, directed by Robert Picardo. I didn't even yeah. click with that. Holy cow. Uh, Joe Minoski, who's a regular on the rating staff, uh, was the uh, writer from January of 1997. Uh, the crew enjoys a luau on the holodeck and Tuvok discovers an unusual hologram. <laughs> hmm. This was definitely from the period of time uh, when I was not watching the show mm-hmm. because when I first saw this, uh, I'm, ass- I, I'm trying to figure out when I started to catch these. It was either when... The series went into wider syndication, and I could catch it on a station somewhere, or when everything dropped on disc, which happened in mm-hmm. the early 2000s. Because I have all of those discs, we actually, we, when we when we do a comic con, I, I if it's a big enough show, I have a TV uh, and a disc player, and we show we show episodes. So uh, someone will go into the big binder I have and just pull a disc mm-hmm. out, and sometimes it could be an episode like this. So, all right, initial impressions. Um, I
1: actually, uh, I actually like this episode. Um, Me too, weirdly. Because yeah, it, it was
0: very different, I thought.
1: Yeah, um, I remember liking it. Um, and I did see it when it first aired. Voyager was one that I saw first airing for about the first four seasons. Okay. Um, maybe five. So, um, yeah, I did see this originally. Um, and it's like, okay, we've got Harry, Kim, in Love again. That That's mm-hmm. a trope. That's un- a
0: thing. Un- unattainable um, female. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um,
1: but I like that this shows the contrast between Harry and Tuvok. Usually you get a an Neelix right. and Tuvok kind of contrast or you've Tom got Harry. And,
0: or, Tom and Tuvok. Or you, got,
1: or, yeah.
0: or you got Tom and, um, or Tom, Tom and Harry. You, are, yeah. Or pretty Tom standard. and Harry yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So this was really interesting. And I, there were things about it that I really liked, like them saying yes, no, at the same time. Right. Um, you know, are you friends? Yes, no. Um, like, I,
0: like Kirk and Spock. Yeah. Right. In right. Star Trek 4. It's very
1: much like that because you've got you like the, Italian the, 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 the food, stoic yeah. Vulcan and you've got the yeah. guy who's in love with an, a, a woman again, right? So you've right. got um, emotions taking center. You've got Harry going, Tuvok, please uh, teach me how to control my emotions. I don't want to be in love again. This is, this is an issue for me. And of course, the holodeck woman who's not actually a holodeck woman in the end, but decides that she is interested in Tuvok and it becomes this like weird love triangle thing. And it has a lot to say, I think about um, obsession, desire. Yeah. Um, there, Harry's kind of acting like a child, but Mirena, the woman is also mm-hmm. kind of acting like a child. Well, a teenager i should say right. not not a child but like a teenager he's jealous he's,
0: it was very it was very high yeah, school i very, agree very
1: very high school
0: it was like yeah i like uh, one of my closest friends to this day um uh, who I've been friends with since middle school, I crushed on her, probably the first girl I ever crushed on. <laughs> she liked my brother, though nothing ever came of that. And nothing, nothing ever came of she and I, but we are very best. She lives in my neighborhood. We are very best friends. You know, she's my person who feeds the cats when we're out of town. Uh-huh. And, you know, and she's just, yeah. But it's just like weird stuff. Like that, um, but doesn't really apply when you're to a hologram. But I like how you know that so much of you know, and this is this was pretty much a bottle show, which means mm-hmm. almost entirely filmed uh, on its standing sets, which so much of Voyager is because you know their whole the whole crux of the series is that they're traveling home. So, so much of it's going to happen on the ship. So you get to really drill down on, and and you always have the same characters. There was a great website back in the day, and I don't know if it's still out there, but it was called the crew tracker. And it kept track of as many of the, 150 ish crew members by name because they were either always there or they died, or there was the mm-hmm. time that you know they picked up some crew members from the equinox or you know this and that, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you always got to you know, so you got to see the same background people and they got names eventually, and um, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I, you're right, I enjoyed this episode. And it was funny when you and I were heading into this block, we were like, oh, there's a lot of stinkers in this, but there ended up being um, some genuinely good ones, including. Sure. The next one, so yes. take it away. I liked this one very much.
1: I did, too. This was um, oh, uh, Coda, uh, written by Nancy Malone, and, uh, or sorry, directed uh, by Nancy Malone and written by Jerry Taylor. Uh, the from, series
0: creator, Jerry Taylor, yeah. It's
1: from January 29th of 1997. Uh, Janeway appears to be trapped in a time loop with different events, but all ending in her death.
0: Ooh. God, it was a good one. Holy yeah, cow.
1: Yeah, I... It surprised me because I, I I know I've seen this one, but I didn't quite remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I sort of had a remembrance of like what this actually wound up being uh, in the end, what the mystery was. Um, right. But uh, getting there is the fun and interesting part. So,
0: right, yeah, like the first half, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, it reminds me, of course, of the um, one of, one of my favorite. Um, TNG episodes from again season five, we just keep going back there. Uh, was cause and effect, yeah. Um, and uh, it was the but with that one, you had no idea kind of where it because it was always exactly the same. Where with right. this, it was, um, it was, yeah, you know, uh, they finally figure out that we're stuck in a time loop, but we gotta do something different, or, and they or get to the get time loop
1: so quickly because that's not the point of the episode,
0: right. <laughs> right right right. but uh, yeah it gets to the point where she does when she does finally die gave me some of my favorite moments with dead Janeway was (laughs) um Chakotay's trying to revive her and he's not being successful and when the comm breaks through and it's Tuvok he says yes Voyager we're here and a big tear falls from his eye and I'm like that is cinematography personified like catching an exact perfect moment and then later on they get her back they can't revive her and they're having a memorial service you know they're having a wake for her and harry gives that big long speech and janeway is a ghost and she's in the back and she's crying and trying to wipe her own tears even though there's no one there to see her two of the most emotionally impactful moments of the series for me um, i mean it's so weird in an episode that you're like well you know this is very this is very formulaic in so much that there's a weird temporal thing, and then it turns out there's an alien that takes the form of her fa- father, actor Len Carew, who's very mm-hmm. famous actor, gives us a really awkward admiral's uniform that I'm glad we never saw again. I because, had yuck. questions
1: about that. Yeah. You know what? <laughs>
0: you know I know uniforms, so hit me. I'll, I'll answer them no, if I can. No, I mean
1: I- – my my question really was the nitpick of it because he should not have had a newer style com badge with the rectangular Correct. background on it.
0: Correct. I would simply say that because it's a hallucination
1: Exactly. He doesn't her, her, actually know. Her,
0: her, her brain is fuzzy and yeah. rebuilt his so outfit. I'm like and it, Yeah. Yeah. This is
1: a clue. I'm going to go with right. this is intentional. This is a right. clue. That's my no prize for this one. Um,
0: the, oh, no prize. That's, yeah. a very good, that's a very good Marvel reference. I like yeah. it. Just like his uniform is kind of like in Picard season two. One of the few things I can pull out that I like. Picard is remembering talking to his father, played by actor James Callis, mm-hmm. Baltar from BSG, wearing a variation of of the DS nine uniform because Mm -hmm. he's imagining he's talking to a counselor, but the uniform's not quite right. Yeah. You know, so yeah, Yeah. a good, a good clue, but um, yeah, because yeah, I I mean, I could tell you exactly what an admiral's uniform was supposed to look like Mm -hmm. in, you know, 2352 <laughs> when he died because you know i mean it's in memory alpha you know what i mean it didn't didn't look like that at all it would look like it uniforms did in the first season of tng right. so um i really like this episode and this yeah. is one I, th- I think the episodes i missed in season three i probably caught during the summer of 97 because there were re- there was this thing called reruns yes, back so in it's the day kids came yeah. on
1: reruns <laughs>
0: because on you know Thursdays at 8, Voyager was supposed to be on, so they would just show whatever they had, and it was from the previous season. Mm So, yeah, this was definitely a summer of 97 when I saw it. But I liked this. I thought this was really, really strong and and, uh, told a very Star Trek kind of story, but still gave you some nice – um, kind of character development for Janeway too, and just showed you for
1: sure. One much like
0: things- yeah, much like how Picard was was very resolute and tough in Darmok, she really stuck to her guns in this. And oh, just-
1: for sure, this is a character study for Janeway where she is just stubborn, fighting. She's so determined, and I mean that's that's just her character. My notes even say where Picard has diplomacy. Uh, and and Kirk uses his charm or his fists. Janeway is going to use her sheer force of wheel of will to get through.
0: Sheer force of wheel, good. All right now. My, now, no. now I have a title for the episode because I because I was I've been sitting here this whole time saying we haven't had a witticism that has been good enough for an episode title. Sheer oh, force of wheel, I like it. That was man. a beautiful misspeak. You're immortalized. My typo. Oh my God, that's perfect. Thank you for that. I was I was I was really struggling, um, but yeah, you're right. It it illustrates, um, between our great leaders Kirk, Picard yeah. uh, and then and then moving on to Janeway um, it, it, you know that that uh, this really typified kind of what she was great at and then she and Chicote had a nice moment at the end where they were going off to have a platonic date or we so did. you might think mm.
1: and they had cute flirty moments at the beginning too
0: I know oh going my going off goodness.
1: to on their thing after the talent show with the dying <laughs> swan <laughs> performance talent right show
0: Janeway. oh my gosh yeah. and, and so, I love the t- I love the two participated in talent show with his Vulcan poetry and they just <laughs> couldn't stop making fun of it. You know, you know, get, get the guy a break. He's trying, you know, he's a Vulcan. He's, and yeah. he's a full, he's a full blooded Vulcan, mm-hmm. which Spock was not. So Spock could loosen up a little bit where Tuvok was very, and he was a, he was a, a Vulcan that went through the colonar, So he was very, mm-hmm. very died in the wool Vulcan. So, um. Cool. Speaking yeah. of Vulcans, what a great segue! Yeah. Oh my gosh, uh, episode sixteen. This is when I really dug because talk about tur- turning a turning a Star Trekism mm-hmm. on its ear. <laughs> it's Blood Fever, uh, directed by Andy Robinson. Garrick. From DS9. Now I always forget that this, this, this block is filled with, um, with actor directors, which I love. Mm. Um, this was one of the first, uh, solo stories by Lisa clink, who was a junior, um, story, uh, editor writer's room person. So this was a solo from her and she nailed it, uh, from Feb of 97, uh, Vulcan crewman Vorick, who we've been seeing for the last several episodes. Mm -hmm. He's kind of an assistant engineer, uh, to Balana. uh, he passes his Ponfar onto Balana, whoops uh, by by uh, because he's got hit with the Ponfar, uh, of if you're not familiar, which I'm sure you are, dear listener, Ponfar being the Vulcan mating urge, which seems to not really be a thing in strange new worlds, but you know we we don't need to mess with that. Um He attempts to bond with Balana and he passes it along to her and uh, is is not great results. Um, meanwhile, the crew is uh, c- has come upon the seemingly unhabited uh, world of Sakari. Uh, they discover ruins and send down an away team that meets uh, a few survivors and found uh, some underground cra- caves um it becomes uh, okay well you know they they kind of they're, they're kind of yeah. ca- cut through the meat here um with Balana exposed to um, the ponfar she starts going through all the symptoms she's coming on to paris it becomes obvious that mm-hmm. paris has to mate with her you, if you're not watching youtube you're not seeing my air quotes <laughs> in order to um to uh, purge the blood fever. Um, but anyway, the uh, you know, what the summary is really trying to ladle on here is that when they're finding remains of the invaders of these ruins, they find out that one of them is a, is a Borg skeleton. Yeah. So this is finally the big tee up to where we're going to see through the end of the season, which is the Borg being in the mix. But again, we're talking about the last 30 seconds of the episode. So I think it kind of sucks that this, the summary lump that in there because this was a great episode. Talk about, yeah. expo- talk about exploring something that go that cuts right back uh, <laughs> to the beginning of, of the original series with the yep. mock time, which we talked about in the episode uh, in our last as mm-hmm. being one of our competitors, being a Trek classic, um, but really turning it on its ear. And, you know, what would it be if, um, if a Klingon went through the pond far, they either had <laughs> to mate. And then you have B'Elanna, who is not a very sexual character, You know, she's, she's kind of gruff and tumble and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, her, you know, friendship with Tom had, uh, had been kind of steadily evolving over the last first, probably first half of this season. Yeah. Um, But it's, it was just kind of a, you know, to steal a a parlance of Guardians of the Galaxy. It was very Sam and Diane from Cheers kind of situation. (laughs) You just didn't really, you know, it was going to go somewhere. It was going to take a while. And then a very Star Trek like plot kicked it in overdrive. Um they didn't end up mating. And again, I do love the the Kunat calife which is the ritual combat mm-hmm. executed at the end, presided over by Tuvak. I do like that once he sets it up, he goes, begin and he like throws his fist <laughs> down. I was like well, I he have a
1: gong. He's got a Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. So yeah Tuvak kind of becomes your 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 Vulcan cultural tour guide for <laughs> this one. Um and I I do love that first the doctor tries to medically solve the issue by putting Vorik in a holodeck with a hot you know Vulcan looking yeah. gal and I I you know I guess I, I guess that's not really going to be our answer to um to our you know sexual dysfunction in the future is <laughs> the holodeck uh, I guess not but, but it uh, does it
1: does kind of imply that yeah this is people do use the holodeck for this I mean we all kind of know but like right. they they say it explicitly here.
0: Right. Um, and it, and it gets revisited later in the series because Tuvok inexplicably, inexplicably at his great age, he's in his, you know, he's 125 or so. It still goes through the pond far. I guess there's not Vulcan menopause. Ooh, that could be another great name of the episode. There's not Vulcan menopause to deal with. Uh, I suppose manopause, uh. <laughs> Vulcanopause. I don't know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it doesn't work for Vorik. It's you know the drives are too strong. So um, the instead of him uh, Vorik fighting Tom Paris, he ends up fighting uh, Balana because and, she can choose her own champion, yeah, and she chooses she chose herself. her own champion. And you know it's it's very typical like '90s phony baloney fight choreography. But you know what you know what I, you know what? That I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not like, you know, it's not the Matrix. It's not John Wick. You it's know? not
1: supposed to be about the fight choreography, though. It's supposed right. to be about the story. And, right. you know, the story, I think, is, um, you know, uh, Vorek is coming in here going, I had to do this instinctively. I don't know why. Um they don't know a lot about the pond. They know more than they did in the original series times because back then they didn't know anything, but, right. um, you know, they're just not talking about it. And it's this like abstinence only Vulcan sex ed that is getting to this like, um, issue where Vorek's like, I don't know what's going on. I didn't know that there was this like, uh, psychic bond that happens. That's going to transfer everything to Bolana But, um, you know, when you, when you repress yourself and this is a theme kind of going throughout most of these episodes, um, not just about sexual repression, but like denying the fact that you, that, that people need each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, in, uh, in the first one we watched, it was the operator at the station that was taking the form of the hologram that was reaching out to Tuvok that she's like, I just need a connection with someone. Right. And we see this throughout some more of the episodes that we're going to be watching uh, and talking about today.
0: Yeah. Most stuff. So anyway, super great episode. It definitely yeah. gets a thumbs up. Um, and we segue into episode 17, which, which was also one I really dug. So go ahead.
1: Yeah. Here's another one talking about isolation and uh, unity. Uh, unity. Uh, directed by Robert Duncan McNeil.
0: Another actor. And Uh, that is actually, I listen to the the Delta Flyers every week. That that has been his career in the last 20 years, uh, is that he is purely a director and he's directed more stuff than you can shake a stick at. But anyway.
1: (laughs) Uh, And written by Kenneth Biller. Uh, Chakotay answers the call for help on a planet and finds himself in the middle of a shootout between groups of people. Meanwhile, the Voyager crew discovers an abandoned Borg ship.
0: A lot of those Borg ships just laying around all over the place.
1: It's, they're they're they've been seeding this for a while now, and at yep. the end of the last episode, they're like, "Oh, it's it's a Borg." Right. Uh, that was the invaders here. Um, and with this one, uh, the ship that or the planet that Chakotay happens to land on, he's taken in by this woman who's talking about. Um, she's kind of uh, they're They were. Kidnapped and taken against their will and brought to this planet because she's human. And right. on this planet, we also have other Alpha Quadrant right. uh, species she, that we're familiar she, with.
0: And she's like, human. and Yeah. And she's ex-Starfleet, What's too, which on? I I kind of struggled with, you know, like, well, why do they, you know, the, the whole timeline of Borg stuff, and it, it gets more and more complicated as time mm-hmm. goes on. So, yeah. Um, super cool, yeah. I thought, without a doubt. Um, you know, this is really the, the Borg... 100% became more of a voyager thing mm-hmm. even just within the next you know 10 episodes because again yeah. then you get 7 of 9 in season 4 and it becomes such a heavy focus but th- this was really teeing this up so yeah you get this group that they liberated themselves they're finally um they're freeing themselves of um you know borg uh, you know their borg appliances but then they figure out that hey you know what we're all from races that we, we still kind of hate each other. You know, Klingons hate Romulans and, you mm-hmm. know, humans hate Romulans and this thing and that, because the, one of the other main characters is a Romulan. Um, so they, they, they need something within the abandoned cube, which is intact because then they, they beam over a, uh, a board corpse and manage to reanimate it and then have to shut it off again. But, um, yeah, our group kind of waylays Chakotay and they force him to reactivate the cube so that it can, fix everybody's brain and make everything harmonious again. Um, boy, there's a lot to unpack with that. You know there's what I mean? Because yeah. so
1: much in this episode. Um, more than I, this sets up stuff that happens in Picard season two, even because you have this group of uh, ex-Borgs here and the woman who's kind of their leader talking about, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily spoil anything or get into anything, um, but like, it sets up the ex-Borgs. It sets up Seven of Nine. It sets up the fact that you can be deborgified and right. and, and live your own life as an individual. It sets up this, um, she's got her kind of her own version of the Federation that she calls the cooperative. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's in the midst of this chaos and she's trying to kind of make a Federation type uh, society here, which I say uh, in my notes, it's like, that's what we try to do. That's um, what I try to do is to kind of create some sort of harmony in the chaos of our lives right now. Right, right. Um, but uh, this, my my note says, this is very much like um, the Borgen Picard season two, but this makes more sense in less time.
0: <laughs> I got to drag you through two episodes of. Uh...
1: <laughs> I, I call it as I see it. Nailed it. Um, Nailed
0: it. More sense in less time. Yeah. Oh my god! If it wasn't so long, that would be the episode title. Yeah. As it is, I thought Vulcan Sex ed was a was a better title. <laughs> for the episode. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna roll with that so far. So um yeah, you know we we yeah. had uh we we had what I thought was three three good episodes in a row, and now I think we're teeing it up to three crappy episodes and, in a row. Yeah, that, then this that was my <laughs> the that was couple. my take. So we'll we'll blast through these pretty quick. Yeah. Um, because there's not a ton to there's, say. There's
1: not much. In this um, though.
0: episode eighteen is. Darkling, again, actor-directed Alexander Singer. Uh, who, oh, no, excuse me. I thought it said Alexander Siddig. I, oh, I thought it was no. Dr. Bashir. I was getting excited. Uh, but Alexander Singer, now that I think about it, is someone who's a Heritage director. Yeah. Um, the story is by Braga and Minoski, so two stalwart writers of the series, teleplay also by Minoski, um, so you kind of try to figure out where they went wrong. Um, from Feb of 97, uh, the Doctor attempts to graft other personalities into his program, and it causes him to develop an evil alternate personality you know i get it you know they, they really work really hard to give every character because every character the really standout ones anyway i mean there are some that are vaguely generic you know harry kim and tom paris i like them but they, they don't really jump out at you as being super exciting characters where the doctor and then later seven of nine are kind of Star Trek 101, which is a non-human character a an altered human character that, that reflects back on humanity. Mm -hmm. So the doctor is, he's not organic, but he's trying to become more human kind of like Spock or Odo. Um, And this is a way he tries to do it, but yeah, it's a real Jekyll and Hyde thing. And then now you've got Kess, who is, you know, now that she and Neelix are split up for good, which they they don't directly address. She broke up with him when she was under the influence of an alien, but she obviously figured out that was a good idea to stay broke broken up with him um because it's never addressed again but here she's dating you know some young handsome guy from this alien planet and the doctor's skulking around and beats the guy or p- pushes him off a cliff or something and it's just yeah. i see what they're trying to do but it was it was, to me it was very soap operated, the jekyll and it's hyde kind of bit
1: the first half of the episode is about Kess, and i'm yeah. going isn't this supposed to be about the doctor? Cause I'm looking at the summary and seeing oh yeah. you know, it's a doctor episode. The whole first half is cast. And it's like, right. so you've got the B story and then the A story, but they're sort of in chunks rather than woven yeah. together into the same episode. It's, so it's a it's stew. A,
0: it's a, it's a AB stew.
1: It's a weird feeling of like this. <laughs> yeah. There's something wrong with the pacing. There's something like, it's a technical kind of problem. And then the story yeah. itself is kind of just, it's there. It's,
0: it it is absolutely there. You know, you've got good, good uh, Bob Picardo
1: <laughs> hamming it up. Uh, so yeah, you know he's having fun, right? Um, in the and same w- way that Jennifer Lane was in uh, the other episode. Oh, and uh, the Warlord, and, uh, yeah. Warlord, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. It's another theme that kind of goes through some of these episodes where you're talking about like, you know, the good and bad, and the bad that we're capable of, and and you know, there's a theme here. They're all kind of setting up a Borgish theme, right? Um, but like. This didn't this didn't really do it for me. It just I hear um Yeah. It's <laughs> Neelix was fair. a bad boyfriend. Kess is going with it. The one thing I did notice though is that um Kess was a character with potential. I know we've talked about that before, kind of. Yeah. Um, Kess seeing the good in everyone, um maybe not such a good match for the cynical mid nineties, but she's a curious adventurer from a culture that doesn't necessarily value that who does see the good in people. And that's a character type that I feel eventually pays off when we get to discovery with Saru.
0: Oh, because talking
1: about the Ocampa and how they're kind of in that they, they don't have the technology themselves necessarily, but you have Cass who's like, no, I want to go. I want to see, I want to see what's out there. And, and it, it's better, so much better in Saru and right. seeing that in, in now we're ready for a character like that, that sees yeah. the good in people and who is more empathic. And, um, yeah, just want right. to point that out.
0: Wow. <laughs> That is not a tack I would take, so and yeah. kudos to you. All right. Well, try to find some kudos in this next episode because yeah. it is – I don't know. I, you know what? I lost track. God, it's uh, Rise. No, yeah, no, no, that's you. Go for it. It's
1: Rise. I'm – ugh. Um,
0: I'm – ugh. Sorry.
1: Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I really am trying to see the good in everything. That's okay. This you don't always really, have to. This one's difficult. Um, yeah, so this is the episode Rise – uh, directed by Robert Shearer, story by Jimmy Diggs, and teleplay by Brandon Braga. Uh, Voyager helps a planet with asteroid problems.
0: <laughs> what? So what specific. a description. Yeah, uh, exactly. Tuvok
1: and Neelix crash land on the planet and attempt to fix a Maglev space elevator. <sighs> there are. Okay. <laughs> there are some really good episodes about Tuvok and Neelix.
0: Right. Agreed. This is
1: not one of them.
0: It, it's it's a whiny crybaby fest. It's they're just it, it's just
1: is just kind of mean, right? Um, they point that out uh, and like not just the idea of the characters being kind of off, but the story itself. Like we we open on a random scene where there's just asteroids. And I'm like, who are these people? Where did they come from? Why are we helping them? What's going on? And why do we care? Right. So like, we don't care about these people because we don't know their story. We don't know why they need help. It's just asteroids. There's an asteroid problem.
0: Here comes some asteroids. And it's just,
1: so we have to send a shuttle down to... Do what exactly? Rescue some dudes, but we don't know who they are. Like, dudes, it's just. Right.
0: And it turns into it like it's a weird mystery thing. And then some aliens show up and there's, is there a connection between them? So it's, yeah, it's, it's very, an- it's very mystery of the week that doesn't really contribute it's not to. not really
1: effective storytelling in my opinion. Any mind. growth
0: any growth between any, because and again, in an episode, in a season that's very monster of, or a series that's very monster of the week. And, you know, like TNG was like, we have to go to this place to mm-hmm. keep this, to help this group out or whatever you're, the growth that you're really looking for is is the you know the growth between the characters or someone's particular yeah. arc so you're looking for okay well how did Tuvok grow from this or how did Neelix grow from this and they you're right they just they didn't. don't they just they clash it's kind of obnoxious the way they're you know kind yeah. of fighting with each other and and is just yeah less said the better and and again about it's no stakes because again it's a, you know our people are going to live and no, it, nothing lasting comes no out of it there's no
1: moral conundrum yeah. that i really like in my star trek it's right right it's there
0: yeah exactly so speaking of it's just there uh we wrap up (laughs) we wrap up this trilogy of crapulence as as mr burns might say on the simpsons with episode 20 favorite son uh, directed by Marvin Rush, a stalwart of Star Trek directing, Lisa Clink again writing an episode. Sorry, Lisa, uh, for March of nineteen ninety-seven, uh, Harry Kim is drawn to a planet that is nearly all women. That's even a bad description of the episode. Yeah, because it um, it's not yeah. like it's not like you know he's going to the planet of the Amazons from Futurama and you know Death by Snoo uh, Snoo. <laughs> it's it's nothing sexy like that. It's just uh, yeah, so talk about a contrived plot line so it starts where he's on the bridge and they run into an alien race and for no reason at all Harry fires on them and he's like oh I had a feeling that something weird was going to happen or whatever and then they escape they escape that ship and then another ship shows up and say Harry's actually one of us we uh, implanted an embryo that we put in his mother Uh, he's our species and it's just like they're going further and further down this tunnel of crap, you know, and you, you don't have a rope to climb out, um, you know, and it's it's kind of what you said, well, Harry has his reservations and then he figures out that, uh, you know, uh, they, they just basically trick men to come back to this planet so that they can eat their essence and kill them. And it's just like... <laughs> Oh, Harry would only be, be the only one of them who would fall for it. So, um, talk about unattainable women. You do get, um, you get a notable guest face in here. You get actress, oh God, I've already forgotten her name. Um, but she played the first female Terminator in one of the Terminator movies, and her name was do 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 do. Her name was, oh God, I'm going to forget. Uh, did I click on the wrong link? You know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, Oh, Chris, uh, Christiana Loken, Christiana Loken. Terminator three, the one with Nick Stahl, whereas in, and Claire Danes. Anyway,
1: I haven't seen it.
0: Uh, don't waste your time.
1: Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> I've seen the first two. That's kind of. Un- that,
0: you know what? If that's, with when it comes to the Terminator yeah. movies, that's just fine. Yeah, um, I, this, was, this was a swing and a miss and a swing and a miss and a swing and a miss and a swing and a miss.
1: Here's just no- the thing.
0: Nothing connected for me. I
1: secretly really like this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. You know what? Break it down for me. I, okay. I'm all ears.
1: It is objectively not a good episode. And I'm aware of that.
0: Objectively.
1: But like. I mean, like you're saying, none of it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. It is like the first kind of bad, where there's it, it's, it, it doesn't make sense, right? So there's it doesn't make sense. Bad. There's aesthetically bad, and then there's um, offensive. And this R- is that, right, right, right. So there's this is that it doesn't make sense. Bad, but um, it it fits in with the themes of isolation and reaching out. Um, it fits in with this idea of colonization and forced assimilation. Um, it's really getting into these themes of the Borg here. And the thing is, yeah, I know you're like, where are you getting this? Because what they're doing is they're bringing these men in and saying, you're one of us. You're going to assimilate to our cult. They have this whole cult thing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The initiation looks like a cult thing. The fact that they're cutting off his contact with his his friends and family that he knows are going to reach out for him. They do this intentionally, even that he's trying to reach out it's it's these very culty kind of uh, practices that they're doing. Um, so, like, I'm seeing where it's setting up this stuff, and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't hate it. It's one of those episodes that's, like, it's not very good, but I always kind of liked it. Um, maybe because when I was a kid, I sort of secretly hoped I was an alien.
0: And I'm <laughs> seeing...
1: I felt like one though, like that's well, the I thing. You no, know, I, I felt like I didn't belong. Right, so one of the one of the first stories that I wrote actually uh, <laughs> um, was about a girl who found out that she was an alien and got to go home. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is like the story I wrote when I was 10, 11 years old. Right. Right. Um, I, so, obviously,
0: obviously with better results. Cause you nobody know, you tried to consume your life force. Yeah, no,
1: no, it, it ended yeah, right. it, it ended up great. She was like, okay, I found my <laughs> home. Boring. I found my people, but like, that's, that's what good. happens when you're 10 or 11 and you're feeling like an outcast and you feel like you don't belong and you watch a lot of Star Trek. Yeah. You kind of write stories like that. Aww. So,
0: um, now so, you make it. Now you make me feel bad about rashing it.
1: No, nobody else <laughs> likes this episode. I'm well aware. I'm like the only person that actually likes this episode. Yeah. Um, if anybody else likes this episode, feel free to you know let me know. But like, I I enjoyed it in a way that kind of spoke to like my inner child in that way.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and then, that's uh, that's okay. You know, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Again, like I said, secretly kind of like it despite itself.
0: Right. Um, that's, that is, that is, that is, oh yeah. It
1: does, it, the whole ending is weird and it does, and like, oh, yeah. of course you get out because you have to, because that's how the right. show goes. And, you know,
0: and on, on we go, as I, I was always fond of saying, on I go to my next exciting adventure. So, yep. well, hey, that wraps up this <laughs> bracket of episodes. All right, let's pick a favorite and a least favorite out of the seven. Go for it.
1: Um, hmm. I think my favorite's going to be Blood Fever. Um, I I really like Tom and Belana and I like how this sort of starts to set that up. Uh my least favorite is Rise.
0: I hear ya. Mine will be very close. I agree with Blood Fever again. I caught this in reruns during that mm-hmm. summer. I'm like, damn, I can't believe I miss this. This was like great Star Trek. And then, yeah, sorry, Favorite Son was was it was so super contrived. It's like, boy, they're really reaching for something here. That I'm like, you know, I wasn't a ten year old girl who wrote no, a story about being exactly. an alien. So I think that was the missing element. Yeah, that, it's that would totally make. Fine. That
1: would, I like I said, I know I'm the only person yeah, who likes this that, episode.
0: That, w- that would make somebody you enjoy know, it.
1: Even the people oh, who are in it don't like it. So yeah,
0: like oh. I, <laughs> it's funny. I should, I, should, I should go back and, and listen to that episode, of the Delta Players yeah. where they talk about that would have been well, some time back. And
1: the thing, too, is that Garrett talks about, like, I got to be sexy as an Asian man, being sexy yeah. and, and desired. So I'm like, you know right. what, it kind of gives it a point in that column, too, for that, you know, right. Star Trek representation of, you know. Right. Yeah.
0: This is a very good point. Yeah. Well, hey! I loved this experiment. Thanks for being yeah, on. Welcome to welcome to the team formally as being one of our <laughs> re- recurring um, guest hosts. Where do people find you out there on the internet? All right,
1: so I am found at linktree slash Jen Watson Art. Uh, At the link tree, you will be able to find my Instagram, my Facebook, my Etsy shop and any other projects that I'm currently working on like my illustrations and new t-shirts.
0: All kinds of crazy cool stuff. That's awesome. As always, you can find me over on Twitter at The C3. Go ahead and spell it out. My lovely wife April and I do run the USS Grand Petoskey, one of the biggest chapters of uh, Starfleet International in this big spinning blue globe we call Earth. We are based here in West Michigan. I also head up Region 13, which is Michigan and Eastern Canada. If you're a trekker within the the sound of my voice in those places or even somewhere else drop us a line at our website or any of our socials and we would be very happy to connect you uh with trekkers uh in the place where you live friends as always thank you for joining us i'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking
1: and be the star fleet that you wish to see in the world
0: this podcast is part of the secret friends unite podcasting network